Hi everyone, my name is Amber. I'm Jasma, and welcome back to another episode of the Off the Charts podcast. This is the podcast where we speak with experienced artists and hear more about their journey to getting to where they are today. We are so excited to be welcoming Desiree here with us today. Desiree is a youth spoken word poet from Canada. She's been involved in community arts empowerment for many years. Um, she not only does commission spoken word projects for businesses, but she's also worked with many organizations like Unity Charity, JU, and Poetry and Voice to help deliver arts programming to schools and youth all across Canada. Desiree, thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is so cool. Feels um, it's really cool that you reached out. So I'm um, I'm really glad to be here. I know we we saw your page and uh, we were looking into all the work that you do and we're like we have to have her here because she's oh incredible. Gosh. Everything um, that we seek for. Um, everything. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's hitting every single piece of criteria. Um, oh, so man, thank to begin you. with, yeah. So. So to begin with and start us off, why don't you talk a little bit about what kind of drew you into spoken word? Because we know that's a not necessarily a writing medium that everyone is always into. And we don't actually see a lot of spoken word poems um, in the media a lot, as often as other mediums. So what, right. what, what drew you into that? Um, to be honest, I think like my, I think at the time I didn't know why it, it felt right. Um, or why I went into that when like why I tried spoken word, but it was um, a very, very, very difficult time in my life in the sixth grade when a boy didn't like me back. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> and and yeah, and I don't know, I just kind of turned to like having a like I had my little diary and I wrote a little poem about it. And I, I at the time, I don't I, I didn't know why that's what um that's why what I what attracted me to doing that as opposed to just writing about it in a journal or whatever I don't know something about that felt right um and I'm not even sure what my first exposure as a child was to poetry but in any case I think looking back on that I think what attracted me to it and what has always attracted me to it is I've always had a tough time explaining myself and um and stuff like that and I think this was a way for me to do that that makes it so that most anyone who listens can understand whether it's you're using rhyme or rhythm that people can kind of go along with as you're speaking whatever the case is I think that was really what drew me to it and I think it was an easy I felt like if, if I read this to someone they wouldn't they would be like oh okay I see what you're saying I see because it's drawing from the from directly from the emotion um not so much the semantics of the situation but um, but just from the emotions of how I was feeling. And I think poetry kind of gives you a way of describing it in a way that other people will understand. So so I, th I think that's like looking. I didn't realize what I was doing in the beginning, but looking back on it now and based on what I see other youth doing um, through poetry and why it's used, I think that might be why it felt so good to me. And I do want to ask, since you're essentially like a professional spoken word poet now and you've done all this work, have you ever received any sort of training specific to spoken word? Because I know it's quite different from just straight up 
public speaking or reading something out loud. So how did you transition from writing a poem in the sixth grade you know, <laughs> to performing so frequently now and doing all of this type of work? Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to think there's like a bunch of like sort of interludes in my life that have led to me performing spoken words. So um, as a child, I loved acting. I loved performing. Um, I was involved in a lot of community theater as a kid. And then I went to an arts high school mm. um, and I studied drama. And so I, performing was always something that I liked to do. Um, and it just kind of came naturally. But then also through th- through English classes and stuff like that in high school, I got to learn more about using language to as an ex- as a form of expression and writer's craft and stuff like that. And then that kind of slowly built up into eventually me finding spoken word. But specifically with spoken word, I, I haven't received any formal training, but I think the training I did receive is through my exposure to slam poetry, which is mm. performing poetry competitively, um, which is where I, I, I was doing that for a really long time. And also just through my mentors as well, who, uh, including Pat, Patrick DeBelin, um, Joshua Watkiss, uh, people like that who have really helped shape what spoken word looked like and what I wanted to kind of achieve through spoken word. Um, and then they helped kind of train me from there very, very early on. This is maybe three or four years ago now um, that mm-hmm. I first sort of connected with them. Um, but from, from there, really the training has just continued in connecting with other poets um, and learning from other poets like Britta B, who's a really big influence on me and stuff like that. So um, if that kind of answers the question, I think, yeah, the, the training was very informal, but also very hands-on once, especially when I got into spoken word itself. But obviously my, my training in theater and my experience in theater really, really helped shape that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, love to hear that, you know, it paid off so well. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit about just like purpose of your work, essentially, because you do a lot in relation to social activism through your poetry and through your just performances. And, you know, you've been one of the recipients of many different internationally recognized awards, one of which was the Jiayu IM Arts for Human Rights Awards in 2020, which recognized you for working and promoting intersection between human rights and the arts. So I wanted to hear how you feel about the arts as kind of like a medium for human rights and activism discussions and how you found your path to getting there. Yeah, I think honestly, it really goes hand in hand with kind of what I was like saying earlier with, you know, like this is a way for people of any, like it's, it's a way to connect. Like it's the same way how we listen to music and we, we might hear someone singing a song and then we get goosebumps and we're not sure why, but it's just like a feeling. It can it evoke things in a different, in a different way. And it's, so I think it's really a way to translate um, beyond language, beyond ability, whatever that is, I think it's really um, just a way to translate a feeling and translate a message. Um, one that looks or sounds cool, but also, um, but also I think just, it, it just resonates with people. Um, I think that's a really that that's what it really boils down to is I think that's why the arts is such a is such a necessary vehicle for um, telling certain certain stories, especially in regards to human rights and things. And you mentioned Jiayu, and that's currently I, I work there as a program coordinator right now. And our founder uh, Gilad Cohen, he has a story about you know like he was doing a lot of human rights work um uh, back in the day and he basically mm-hmm. the only way he could get through to his his family about why he was doing that work why he wasn't just going after a sort of conventional nine to five job is because he 
you know, he thought the arts was so powerful and eventually he showed them a documentary highlighting a human rights issue and then it clicked for them. They were like, wow, this is, it, it really, really resonated and it really showed the message. And I think that's a beautiful way to put it. And I think that's what's added to my my understanding of why it's so important. Um, I think because it, it translates and it can, it can, it, I, it, it, I think it, it, it unlocks a type of empathy that a lot of that we may not feel if we're just if I'm just explaining a situation to you but if I explained it through a poem or if I showed you a photograph or a painting um you you you'll access it in in a different way so I think I think that's that's what it is yeah right and so did that kind of development in the intersection did that happen right away for you was that something like early on you decided you wanted to talk about through your work or was that something that slowly, gradually happened as you continued in it? Definitely something that slowly and gradually happened. Um, in the beginning, I was like, you know, I was like, I, what I was writing about was still just as important and everything like that. But I think a huge thing that exposed me to the way spoken word in particular can be used to express a message and to tell a story and especially very, very pressing stories of what's happening in the world around us or for a particular community, whatever the case is, speaking to our experiences in that way um, was a couple of things. One being my exposure to slam poetry, which if you go to a poetry slam, a lot of the stories being told are around human rights issues or around different different things that different communities are facing and whatnot, whatever the case is. Um, but also um, through my own exploration as an adult, um, and, and stuff like that and learning who I am and what that means and what my face means in the world and what the way I look means in the world and all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I, as I started to unpack that, it really helped kind of e explore that more for me. And, and that became, and then I was like, wow, this can really be something I use to for deep, dig deeper into those things, but also tell, tell stories that aren't often being told. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of the, the thinking with that. Right. And I mean, you've done so much with that and not only with that, talking about your activism through your work, but even just your work in general and in giving back. Um, this is the point in time where we like to brag about our guests because we always, we always got to do that for you guys. Um, so you were featured as a part of, <laughs> exactly. You were featured as a part of um, Vive Arts and Next Mentorship Program. So you were a part of that in which you worked and you created your own spoken word EP, which is incredible. It's called Wet Hair. Um, and along with this, you also did a visual display, I heard, at the St. Lawrence Center for the Arts in Toronto. Yeah. So we got to unpack these two because, wow. <laughs> um, so I want to first start off with the, the EP. Where, how did that kind of come into fruition? Uh, I, when you sent me the question before, I was like, how did it? That's a good <laughs> um, Honestly, yeah. Um, honestly, well, I heard, heard about the Vibe program, which was just incredible. And what Vibe Arts is doing for Black youth is amazing. And I'm so grateful to be a part of the program and receive the, the mentorship that I did. But essentially what it was is... Um, I think it kind of started in, in that the, the program with Vibe Arts, the requirement when you first apply is that you you have to be able to like pitch an idea that can be like, for example, an EP or like a video or a film, but it also has to be something that lives in like an exhibit for a couple months because the initial plan back in 2020 when we were all kind of like by 2021 COVID will go away no big deal like mm -hmm. when everyone thought that but here we are anyway um was that we'd be we'd be able to do like a physical display in a in a gallery where you get to walk around and stuff like that 
Um, so I was like, what am I going to do? I just like, I don't know. I'm not going to stand there and perform for three months straight. Like, what can I do? So um, sort of what happened was I had this, I always had this idea of calling a project of mine wet hair because just for a lot of symbolic reasons of what my hair means to me and what wet hair means to me in terms of it being a fresh start, in terms of it being heaviness, in terms of me having just washed my hair and, and the vulnerability that lies in that. So I knew I wanted to do something like that. And I always had this idea of doing photography that's kind of centers hair or people in doing certain different things with their hair and whatnot. So that's what I ended up doing. I ended up doing the photography with it. And the EP was something that kind of came organically with it as well, because I, I said, I'm doing all this exploration into who I am. And a big part of who I am is my family. And growing up, I never really had much exposure to my, to the other side of my family, my father's side. Um, so I got to connect with him and I got to record a couple songs with him. So it was a big moment of kind of growth and stuff. And music was always something that was a part of my life and stuff. And it just kind of flowed naturally, I guess. Um, I have a friend who's a producer. He helped me out, um, Roosevelt Angulo. Um, he produced a couple of the tracks and, and yeah, I just wrote some poetry over it. And it went kind of, went together with the, with the photography and yeah. And then... Finally, the, the physical display that's currently up at the St. Lawrence Center for the Arts, I believe until May 26th, um, is just kind of in the front window of the St. Lawrence Center. Um, and I had basically kind of put up an installation of three mirrors um, with some of the photography that I had taken um, uh, on the mirrors, basically. And so people can kind of look at themselves uh, as they kind of take in some of the photography and the poetry as well, which is on the mirror. Um, the whole point of that was just kind of to, to, you know, it, there's a big part of the, um, the, the theme in the EP is, you know, about reflections and what we see when we look at ourselves and how we feel represented in the world and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that was kind of the, the thinking, um, yeah. That sounds yeah. so cool. So everyone in Toronto, yeah. be sure to check that <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, go right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that sounds like, you know, there were a lot of moving parts to that. And you come There's a lot. <laughs> many different mediums of arts into creating this. So I wanted to ask, like, what were some specific challenges that you faced along the way since, you know, you specialize in spoken word, but since you decided to branch out into so many different mediums and work with other people as well? in the middle of a pandemic, what were yeah. some of the things that kind of, you know, made it a little difficult to do that? And when were some learning experiences through creating this? Mm -hmm. Since not everyone gets to, you know, make an EP every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding, yeah. Um, well, firstly, the, the very, very loud elephant in the room is COVID, of course. That was a very strange thing. Um, throughout the whole process, we were kind of in in a limbo especially even for vibe arts planning this exhibition for us and everything like that we weren't sure what things were going to look like for the longest time because covid just seemed to keep going on you know and <laughs> december rolled around and we're like oh my gosh we're going into another lockdown this is supposed to happen in march like what like i don't know what's the deal but, but anyway but that was really tough and also being able to schedule um, photo shoots with the people who, who are all my, who are all my very close, um, and loved friends who are involved. Um, but, but anyway, just making sure everything's safe and stuff like that. So it's funny because a lot of the photography that I took, I had planned for a few more shoots even into the new year, but because we went into the new year, um, in a lockdown, basically it, it was, it was kind of hard to do. So it kind of got cut short. Um, mm -hmm. but anyway, 
Um, so that's one thing, of course. So obviously trying to make sure everything's safe and whatnot, but also, um, <clears throat> also I'd say to just be like, there were so many times that in the process that I, I was just like, let me just give back vibe all their money. Let me just cancel this. Like, I don't want to do like, it's, it's, oh, it's so, I don't know if it was like an imposter syndrome. I don't know if it was, mm. I'm not sure what it was, to be honest. But I, I just, I, I was so afraid. And I think that came from me being such a performance artist where like I get up on a stage and I'm performing um, and yeah, people could take a video of it and take it and watch it however they want later. But still like there's an element of my physical presence in there, like in that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas putting out an EP literally on Spotify, people can listen. I, I don't know. There was something different about that to me, like putting right, right. something out there that is just different. I'm, I, just I would love weird. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it just, yeah, it was a very, very new thing that I hadn't done before. So that, that was really tough. I think the thing that I learned with that is you just gotta like, no matter what, as an artist, you kind of, I, I feel like or any cre- anyone who creates anything, it could it could be anything. I think that's kind of something you sign up for when you're about to put something out into the world, or you're about to submit an assignment, or whatever that looks like. You you just that's, there's just a, a thing that that's in you that that just really wants to do well. Um, but then there's also a part of you that needs to accept that you're not always going to know exactly how things are going. Oh, I think I just figured it out. I, I think I just figured it out. Oh. You know what it oh, is? I think. Do you have an epiphany? Yeah, I think so. In the middle of our because yeah, I love it. I love it. This is great. Straight from off the yeah, off the charts. No. I think a, a part of it is when I'm physically in person performing, I get the validation from the audience. If people are snapping and they're like, "Mm, ah," then I know people have liked it. But or or if they're not, then I'm like, mm, they're kind of like whatever about it today." That's cool. But I think with the act of putting something out there that you it's kind of in the void and you don't know there right, you don't right, you right. don't know. That's but right. a big learning in that, and I think this goes for any again anyone who creates anything, um, it can it can really mean just like translating that uncertainty into you're putting this out there and you don't know how many people it's going to impact, and that is so cool. That's mm-hmm. that there's there's a beautiful mystery in that of like. I wonder who's, I wonder who's listening, you know, like, I wonder who, mm-hmm. if a person in Finland listen, I wonder what, like, what they're thinking, like, just mm-hmm. r- random stuff, but it's like, it could be something really good, and you could very well have made that person's day, or you could have give, given them a, something that they're going to add to their playlist that they share with their friends, beautiful little moments like that, um, so I think that's, you have to translate that uncertainty and that, like, discomfort and insecurity to impact, this is, this is it's even cooler because I'm throwing this out into the world and who knows what people will think. Right. So I, I think that that's how you have to translate it. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. also an aspect that's quite scary about it as well, because like mm-hmm. I make YouTube videos and the fact that literally anybody could be watching it is so terrifying. And I guess that's, that's like true. different to a stand up like uh, to a physical performance as well. Right. Because you can mm-hmm. see the people who are actually taking in your work. But when it's on the Internet, you don't, you don't know. know how many people actually sees it and exactly. that can be pretty terrifying as well yeah. So, yeah and and even with that too like like I was saying too like I have like videos on my YouTube and stuff like that as well but there's something different because I feel like there's still a part of me like a physical presence of me that's dictating it 
you know, mm-hmm. um, that you can see my hand movements, you can see my body language, you can see, you know, all those things. Um, so that so that hopefully guides what people might think, which isn't the case even. So it's a weird, con- it's also a control thing, I think, too. Um, but but absolutely, it can be definitely um, a nerve wracking thing. And I, I, when I have to do it again, eventually, oh, but ugh. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, but, um, but oh, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully I'll take my own advice. Hey, we're all yeah. going to take your advice. Clearly. <laughs> Permanently. You can always listen back. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, even with that, we're talking about the presence of being in the performance and then doing that. Have you, even being fueled by that and being, you know, accustomed to it, were, were there ever moments where you did get nervous or you did feel like um, maybe you weren't getting the response that you needed and, and things like that. Cause you're putting yourself out there in a very big way. So mm-hmm. how did, how did you kind of deal with that? In terms of like physical performances, you mean? Yeah. Just in terms yeah. of the spoken word poetry that you do otherwise. Yeah. All the time that would happen all the time where you write a particular line that you, that you think, Oh, that line bangs. That's crazy. Oh man. That's going to, Oh, people are going to go off and then crickets like, you know, like that, that's, Oh, it, it's it's not a nice feeling at all. But I think, I think yeah, like with that for sure. Like I definitely get nervous. I can tell you, oh, like I'm the type of person. And there's a few other poets who have like described this feeling to me of like going into a performance. It's like it's the worst. It's the worst. I get that feeling in my stomach. I feel like I gotta go to the bathroom, but I don't have to go to the bathroom. Right. I, I'm sweating. <laughs> it's just like you know all the TMI things, but right. it's just. <laughs> Like, you know, it's just all of that. It's it's a really terrible feeling, that feeling right before. But it's the moment when you're up on stage and you feel like you're like flying. That makes that all worth it. Mm. Um, but in the moments where, let's say, something doesn't land the way the way you want it to, especially let's say if it's your first time performing it, um, that's just kind of that like the way I describe that's just part of the process. It's the same thing with a comedian um is they have to go up on stage and try a joke and a huge thing is it depends on the vibe in the room that's the biggest Mm -hmm. thing so the same thing applies to a poem it depends on the vibe just in the room people just it it's a fits in person things although the last time i performed in person was beginning of march 2020 which but like yeah well right before the pandemic started Mm -hmm. but like the thing with in person it's just about the vibe because you can do that poem in one space one day and then tomorrow I can go into a different one and it'll be incredible or mm-hmm. vice versa, you know? So it, it really just depends on the, the atmosphere and the room and what the people, what people's energies are. And even another thing, the order of how you're performing, are you at the beginning of the show or are you at the end of the show? Um, was there a break where you right after the break, where you right before the break where people are anxious to go use the bathroom, anxious to go get a drink, whatever the case is like, right. or right after the break, maybe people just got their gummy worms and the snack and they're snacking away. <laughs> listen, you perform what, Little things like that. There's so many different factors that you have to take into consideration, which kind of adds to like the strategy of your performance and what what goes into that and your, how your energy should be and stuff like that. So it's a hard thing to tell. But once you try it two or three times and you try it maybe different ways or or and your technique is different, um, you, just, you just have to go from there. But unfortunately, that's just like it, I hate to admit it. And like, if anyone told me this, I'd be like, you're so annoying. Like, just give me the answer. But, but it's just something you kind of have to like, with each performance, you have to just tr- try and try and try and see. 
um, and, and also get feedback from the people around you. And hopefully there's people in your life who maybe are in the same art form who might have another perspective or maybe not that might be able to shed some light too, just as a viewer. So, so yeah, I'd say that that's, oh, that's a tough, it's a tough thing though. It's really mm-hmm. tough. Well, yeah. yeah, like that sounds like, I mean, I'm not the most familiar with, you know, spoken word poetry and just like live performances as well, but that sounds like there's a lot of improv involved with that. So like, do you have to change things up literally on the spot just based off of what you assess of the situation? And like, how yeah. do you do that? Because I know for comedians, it's like, you know, you write something, but you can kind of change the joke a little bit. But if mm-hmm. it's a poem that you've written, how do you manage to improv things on the spot? Yeah, so it's um, honestly the, the one thing it's it's sort of a it, it's sort of a paradox of an answer by saying this, but I'd say rehearsal is a big thing um, in that like knowing the poem so well that like like you're you're always on track that if it comes down to just replacing one word with another, you can you still can follow through because you know like there's so much memorization of just switching out a word, for example, if you've stumbled or something like that. You always know what's coming next mm-hmm. sort of thing. I think that that's a big thing, just practice. And I'd say for me, what what's helped me with that is like being was acting, um, especially throughout high school and stuff like that. And and also presenting, um, which is as like I uh, in my past life, <laughs> I, I studied advertising and I worked at an advertising agency for two years, oh, which cool. is a, so and I had to do a lot of presentations in front of clients mm. and for my coworkers and stuff like that. So that helps as well. So if I'm saying this and it's like, what is she saying? That's it's coming from like all that the experience I have in terms of giving presentations and acting. But um, I think it's really just rehearsal and also knowing how kind of having a oneness with your body when you're performing and that you you just you you know when you need to kind of switch things up and you're able to observe and scan the room and stuff like that but on the other hand is I can tell you there's some poets I know who like I'm one to switch a poem right before I perform I'm like no I'm gonna do this one but then Mm -hmm. other poets are like no this is what I'm sticking to this is what it is this is how I'm gonna perform it and that's totally fine it's just kind of a thing of like that's where the practice comes in of knowing exactly what works for you because I know for me I guess I'm more loosey-goosey with it in that I, I can never perform something the same way twice so if I were to do a poem for you a poem last week and it's the same poem today or whatever, it's going to, I might switch a word or I might, my inflection might be different or my pacing might be different. Um, But for me, I can tell you that that's come through practice and practice and practice and trying it in different speeds. That's another thing. You can try to read it in different, you can try to say it in different speeds. You can slow it down. You can make it faster. You can try different volumes, see how it feels when you say it really, really loud or when you say it really, really soft. You can do different things like that and just like, try to fit it into different boxes and not just be married to sort of one way of doing it, I guess. Um, that That's that's my advice with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds so cool. I, I never knew there were so many different parts to spoken word. Yeah. Um, but I think I want to take it back to one thing you mentioned previously that I find is really interesting uh, that's something you struggle with and that is imposter syndrome mm-hmm. because, you, yeah. know, you know, with spoken word I just feel like every performance I've witnessed is so powerful and it just seems like you have so much confidence when you're performing that that I would never even consider that you're not feeling it or you don't feel 100% confident in your work so how is that something that has I guess affected you do you ever struggle with not having enough confidence 
with presenting even though you have had so yeah. many yeah. so already. <laughs> and like, yeah. how do you deal with that? <laughs> I guess is my question. Oh man, every like, oh, it's so, yeah. Oh my gosh, I was just having a, a discussion with my, my partner yesterday about this, this project I have coming up, um, which is very exciting. But I am terrified right now. Like I am, oh, like I, I have to work on it after this. And I'm like, no, let's stay here all day if you guys want. Let's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, you know, um, but like, yes, all the time. Absolutely. And I'd say a part of my my confidence is one, because I have the experience, I can like play it off. But I'm freaking out on the inside, trust me. And, you know, and a big thing is um, coming up in slam poetry. It's it, it, it done like it's slam poetry is, I think, for any poet, it's a great place to start in terms of learning how to perform, being able to perform in a time, in a time limit, all of those things, just and your adaptability as a poet as well. That's a huge part of like, as your last question, you know, in terms of changing things up, that's a huge part of what gave me that. But also when you're first starting out, you might be competing against people who have been doing it for 15 years, 10 years, however long, Co totally different walks of life, different experiences, whatever. So it's very easy to start comparing yourself. So I, I often do that as well. Like I, I still do that in like, um, I think comparison, you know, obviously it's the thief of joy as people say, but you just want to be, you just want to be really, really great, right? You just want to do as well. And you, you, someone does something and you're like, Oh my God, that's incredible. I want to be able to do that. But just knowing that you're going to do it in your own way. You're going to do it in your voice. You can evoke the, you can evoke similar emotions from people, but it, it's just through you. You can't be this person. But, but anyway, apart from that, I'd say the way I kind of combat that is you just have to go up there and just commit and bring, put your best foot forward and be like, this is what I got. Mm -hmm. I hope you like it, you know? And, <laughs> and again, it's kind of that thing of like, if you don't like it, if this crowd doesn't like it, then very likely if it was a different night, a different Friday night, a different season, if it was summertime as opposed to wintertime, all of these different factors, it can be so fickle. It can be so, so fickle. Um, who knows? Maybe they, they would have loved it or maybe they wouldn't have maybe liked it that much or, or you wouldn't have gotten the response you wanted. But that's the other thing is another thing you kind of have to remove yourself from as an artist is expecting certain reactions out of people because who knows just because this person didn't snap doesn't mean they're what if they're just really taking in what you said you know they're what if they're just really listening what why maybe they didn't they 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 took a second to clap when you write right at the end they were probably thinking or they were digesting something who knows so you, a lot of that is letting go of what you think the reaction should be or what what the commonplace reaction is and letting people kind of have um have that uh that moment with it as well so that's another thing is is that but i'd say in terms of the confidence you just have you just have to go up there and just commit and do it go big or go home and just see that that's that's the only thing um and i wish i wish there was a better answer to that but unfortunately i think that the begin the long and the short of it is just going up and trying it, just trying it, um, and putting your best, best foot forward. Um, yeah. And then also remembering those moments where you had a performance and it went really good and you felt like you were flying and knowing like, Hey, like 
if I, if I'm just, if I, if I back out of this or if I don't want to do this, which is totally fine if you're not feeling good or you're having a tough day um, mental health wise or whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, if you know you can do it and you go up there and you do and like, it's letting yourself kind of take off again. Um, so I think that's, that's the, that's the key part. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of, you know, committing and, and putting yourself in your work and in that such, it's a great segue to talking about the original pandemic, which oh, yeah. um, is Jasmine and I were kind of, we looked at it, we looked into it and we're like, oh my God, this is incredible. <laughs> So for those of you who don't know, um, the original pandemic is a poem that Desiree wrote. She worked with CBC Arts, if I'm correct, to write and perform yeah. the poem. It discusses kind of a little bit about police brutality and the tragedy and everything that's happened with it. And it's nominated or was nominated for a digital publishing award, which is yeah. insane. So yeah. can you talk to us a little bit about your work with that? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, that 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 was a big. Wow. That moment. Um it was that was that was tough um it was when all of the 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 movement was the black lives matter movement was really really um i don't want to say big big isn't the right word but last but big i guess it, a lot of things were happening protests were happening in toronto all over the world mm-hmm. everything like that um was going on and i got an email um my one of my mentors, Britta B, who I mentioned earlier, recommended me to um, one of the producers at CBC Arts, Lucius uh, Deschazé, which I'm so grateful I met him. Um, and he asked me if I could um, either perform a poem I had already written, or or write a new poem and, and perform it. And it would just be like a self tape because obviously because of the pandemic, um, right. it was like a self tape at home. And it was it was really tough because that was a topic I hadn't written about before because I I never really knew how to approach it. One being being mixed race i never really knew how to approach it that's a whole other conversation but just also never really knowing but also my father is black and he and kind of touching on his experience especially growing up he grew up in montreal um and whatnot but i it it was it was a very tough thing but i connected with him about it and i spoke about it and he was a huge part of what kind of gave me a lot of the inspiration um to write the poem and a lot of the sort of insights and things and then drawing from my own experience and and even it's so he he said to me um he was like wow i i I can't believe this is something that's still like my my kids are dealing with this what 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 is like how is this still happening um because it's so funny my sister lives in Japan and oh, wow. she organized one of the Black Lives Matter Japan mo- oh, um, protests last year. But from my father's perspective, he's like, wow, this is, this is, yeah, this, yeah. this is what was happening when I was a kid. Like, you know, so anyway, but, but no, it was, it was, um, I'm so grateful for Lucius um, and the sort of guidance that I had through one um, Britta and, and the other people, the other mentors in my life who, who kind of helped, helped me shape and helped me edit that poem to be what it, what it was. And initially, um, I think it worked out perfectly because initially they meant to put it out in the middle of June. Um, but, but because of the shape of what the piece became, it was very much a statement about Canada and racism in Canada, which I think mm-hmm. we don't learn anything really about in school mm-hmm. and um and last year was a huge huge learning point i think for all of us regardless of what your background is where we learned a lot about the stuff that goes down here and the stuff that went down back in the all of those things um 
I think, I think it was a big learning point and I took a lot of what I learned and a lot of that sort of those feelings and the reaction to that and put it into, into the work. Cause it, it just, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. I, it was, it was a hard thing. Um, but, but again, I'm so grateful for the experience because um, Lucius made me feel super comfortable and was there every step of the way for the recording. It's so funny. He was there on Zoom while I was recording it, <laughs> you know, so like as a, as a director would. Right. Yeah, exactly. So no, but it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough, but I'm really glad I, I went for it and, and I'm, I'm glad it, it, it's, it's a part of the Poetic License series, which is just some amazing, amazing work by so many incredible poets. So yeah, so it, it was it was definitely tough, and um, but but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm happy the message came across, and and their final decision to put it out on Canada Day, which I think was the best decision they could have made because it really is a statement about Canada, um, mm-hmm. really, and the experience here. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're all super appreciative of it. So guys, go check it out. Please um, go listen to the poem. Be blown away! Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank Anyways, you. so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you've mentioned how you've worked with all of these amazing different organizations and programs that have obviously contributed a lot to your success. I want to hear about how you got started to become involved and how essentially you got connected to these opportunities, because I think a lot of people trying to make it as an artist, a lot that's stopping them from doing so is being able to get out there and to be able to be like have their work be seen by people so do you have any sort of insight to you know being connected with these opportunities or the networking that you've had to go on through to be connected with all of these different artists that you got to work with how did you learn to essentially do that to help promote your work honestly I, I'm one thing like I think about like almost every day is just how grateful I am to have met the people that I've met, especially through all of the organizations, like you mentioned, that I worked with and how fundamental all of those places have been in terms of my growth and my experience as an artist. Um, but I'd say in terms of making those connections, um, a huge, oh, like a huge part of it is just one, like most of all, like being, being reliable, but then also saying yes, trying things and also like just communicating and asking as many questions as you want. Um, but also just trying out new things with an open mind and just kind of going with the flow with certain things, I think is, is so key. Um, but, but again, and just, yeah, making, making connections with people, asking people about their experiences um, and, and whatnot and, and learning because one, people love to talk about themselves. But two, <laughs> I think a big thing is, is just showing that like, I want to learn from you. I know you, you might have been doing this longer than I have or whatever the case is. But one thing I'm really grateful that I, that I learned is uh, just like um, the, the value of community. Um, in that if you're, if you're in this art form, which is so, so it's just birth and based in community so much, you need to, you need to be a part of that. And you need to be reaching out to the communities who would probably, who need it the most and who need the exposure to it the most. Um, and that's exactly what the organizations that I've worked with, um, have done. Um, whether it's get, getting me into a, a particular school to do a workshop on spoken word or getting to moderate a Q&A about a human rights documentary, whatever, the, whatever that is. Um, it's just, again, like steeping yourself in that. And of course, it's all about the people. So getting to know people and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned actually workshop, which is another thing mm-hmm. we want to talk about is your work in 
promoting the arts for youth and arts education. So how important is that for you? Because that's a topic I think we'd like to discuss a lot on the podcast with different guests and amongst ourselves is the importance of arts education and how that can be very much overlooked and is probably one of the reasons we don't see a lot of youth creatives wanting to pursue their dreams because they feel like they don't have the tools to do so. So, you know, how important is that for you? How do you see working in the industry as a professional? How do you see arts education fitting into all that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so important because I think this, this is another way impact comes into play. Um, Because a big thing that I try to stress in my workshops is that like, listen, like I'm not here today to turn you all into famous poets. Like you're, I, I don't expect the next Maya Angelou to be coming out of this classroom. It's not that deep. Like literally all I'm here to do today is just plant a seed, like just give you a little something that like, who knows, it could come through if you want to write poetry, if you want to become a spoken word poet, or it could come through the next time you need to come up with a way to describe something in an essay. You need to do something, you need to put something down on your university application. I don't know, whatever that is, this is just something to help help you grow and help you in little ways throughout your life. You're writing a really nice birthday card to your mom. I don't know. You know, things like that. Um, it's just it's just planting little little seeds. And I think a big thing, what makes arts education, especially for youth, so important is it shows them, um, one, all the different ways they can express themselves, but all the different ways they're capable of expressing themselves. I think so many kids know about things, but then they kind of remove themselves from it. And they say, well, I I can't do that. Like, I, mm. why? Mm, I don't know anyone that does that. So why would I, you know, like, I think, I think that's sort of something what ha- that happens is you can, it's very, you can detach yourself from something when very easily, no, you, you can do this. Um, and through some really, really, really simple techniques, really basic things, just with a pencil and a paper or your notes app on your phone, you can try it, you can try it. Um, and I think that's so, that's so important. And especially for kids, I think about some as a, as a child for me, like I know pe- certain things I might, a memory I might explain to, to, to you two or to a friend of mine, they're like, really? That, that sort of thing stuck with you? But as a kid, you, all, the, the littlest things right, stick with right. us. Um, and you just never know. And no one would know that that, that moment that I fell off my bike or whatever, or <laughs> I, I stepped on a worm, or I don't know, any little thing when I was six years old, whatever, stuck with me for this long. But I guess this is just another instance of creating something that will hopefully create a positive like stick with someone. You know what I mean? It's like just mm-hmm. something that who knows, maybe they'll remember. Um, and also it's fun too, because like usually... It means the teacher isn't teaching and you have a special guest come in. That was always the most fun thing in school. Right? I remember if you had a, if you had a special oh guest come into yeah. the class, it's, it's literally the equivalent to having like the teacher roll in the TV. I, I don't know if they're, I'm right. probably all projectors exactly. now, but, <laughs> but, but back in the day when the teacher used to roll that, oh man, it's Bill right. Nye day. Let's go. You know? Yes. <laughs> so, like so yeah. Example. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 a combination of those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That sounds like amazing work that you're doing, and I feel like any youth creative would appreciate something like that when they're trying to decide, you know, if it's something they do want to pursue. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of, you know, pursuing further things, you've also you've already done so much 
amazing work that has contributed to, you know, social activism and just poetry all together. At the end, we always like to ask some deep questions. So <laughs> what are some of your hopes and plans for your future? Where do you wish to take spoken poetry or do you wish to pursue other things as well? Since you seem like someone who is very involved with other mediums of arts as well. Um, are there any other really cool projects that you have planned or you wish to be a part of? Yeah. So I'm hoping in within the next in within the next few months I can put out my first chapbook of poetry, um, which wow. is which is kind of exploring a new medium for me, which is like a book Ooh. of poetry. Which <laughs> cue imposter syndrome. Let's go cue the <laughs> all of the yeah we're doing it again. But anyway, um, something like that. But then also I'm hoping I am currently trying to secure some funds from some grants. Um, to hopefully do another EP that explores both um, both sides of my family and the music because I come from both sides of my family has musicians. Um, wow. So both the Indo-Caribbean side and exploring the Indian music within my family, but then also the black side of my family with rock and roll and R&B mm -hmm. and I mean, mm -hmm. all of those genres. So hopefully being able to fuse the two and do a lot of research into both of those genres, um, which I think do do both face a lot of erasure um, from whether it's erasure due to credit um, and appropriation or just erasure due to sort of the lost in translation aspects right. of things between colonialism all those things yeah so mm -hmm. i'm hoping i'm hoping i can um yeah i'm hoping i can i can explore that in the next little bit but also just continue doing my my work with uh with the organizations i work with and and whatnot mm -hmm. yeah that's amazing we're, we're so excited to see what comes next um and always is the last question we always like to ask our guests this you know, you've mentioned advice and pieces and tips, and the insight has been incredible. Um, just any last words that you'd like to say for youth poets, youth writers, youth creatives in general, who don't feel like they have a chance to making it or feel like they're maybe getting lost in their passion? What final words or advice would you give them? Uh, I told you we like to go don't, deep. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and you sent me this question beforehand too. <laughs> Um, I just, I'd, I'd say even, let's say, okay, let's say if you're coming from the place where you're feeling a little lost and you're still figuring things out, you're putting the pieces together, I'd say that's all the more reason to try everything. Um, continue trying everything you can, whether it means submitting your, and this goes for any sort of artist, whether you're a spoken word artist and a painter or a photographer, um, whatever that looks like, a you I don't know you know um just submitting your artwork to everything trying to get into every single space that you can um meet as many people as you can and while that may seem like a shampoo aisle of of the paradox of choice I do think that life if I want to get all lifey and life is whatever I think do I do think there are elements of that which like I can say I'm grateful that I did is going into a bunch of different spaces and meeting a bunch of different people different people and different things will stick and you'll find it funny how certain things will guide you into certain directions um, and whatnot and lead you to lead you to certain people lead you to certain things and lead you to certain realizations about yourself I think that that's really key so and what I mean by even just doing different things is even if it means just going to a poetry slam and you don't even have to perform just watch just watch and see who you see who you um 
just experience and maybe some different poetry, but then also maybe you'll get to connect with another poet that you thought was really cool or you, you feel you identify with very closely or whatever the case is. I think that's a, that's a big thing. Um, but, but also just, just, just have fun, just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and never lose the excitement regardless of how many times, and I'm speaking from experience, regardless of how many times I've performed in a bar that clearly was not a place that spoken word. No one wants to listen to spoken word right now. Everyone's talking over you. No one cares, whatever. Still be excited about those moments and still be nervous about those moments and still feel scared about those moments. Never lose the excitement because you never know what that where that will take you. And I think it's so Malcolm Gladwell that has like the 10,000 hours thing before you master something. I don't know, that whole thing, look it up. Anyway, <laughs> look it up, folks. Um, like, it's sort of adding to that collective experience that you've had in your relationship with whatever art form you're in, whatever art form you're with, so um, where you're interested in. It's just adding to that relationship and adding to those experiences. And one day you'll look back and laugh at all those times I performed in a, in a bar where no one wanted to listen to spoken word. <laughs> but hey, it was just adding to that experience and adding to my relationship and my connection to this art form. So, so yeah, that's the deal. That's amazing. Well, that's a, what beautiful note to end off this podcast. Really? I mean, we got like the perfect, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Desiree, for being here with us, for talking about everything you've done. Again, Jasmine and I continue to be blown away every answer, every time we looked into your work. It was just, it's so amazing what you're doing, not only growing as an artist yourself, but in making sure that you provide that environment and that community for everyone else. I mean, that's, that's all you could ever ask for, right? So thank you so much. Uh, yeah, thank you for being here, for talking. And please make sure to check Desiree out. All of her socials, links, everything else will be linked in descriptions of wherever platform you're listening or watching this on. Um, and with that being said, I think we'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.